0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith.
1: Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started.
0: So for the last few weeks, we've been covering WBDC announcements uh, platform by platform. And this week is kind of like the cleanup week because we're going to talk first about tvOS and macOS and then then some bonus stuff after that. And we're kind of lumping this together because honestly, from the point of view of two iOS developers, uh, there's not a whole lot of new stuff in tvOS or macOS that's really relevant to us. Um, I guess let's start out with tvOS. I mean, Neither of us have a TV app, but we've both kind of looked at it, considered it, even gone to the tvOS tech talks uh, this past winter. So David, what do you think, has anything changed in regards to, like, is anything in tvOS now going to make it more uh, appealing or more relevant or or more compelling for us to make apps for it?
1: I don't think so. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a strange thing to have a an Apple platform that I really don't feel much... Draw to making apps to- for. Um, which, because I, almost so many other platforms, I've always had an app available and ready on the first day. Like that was just sort of been my thing for, I did it for as close as I could for the iPhone, definitely did it for the iPad, for the watch, um, and I did, did it for the Mac App Store even too, if I remember right. Um, but There's something on the TV that just doesn't really appeal to me or feel compelling, and I think a lot of it's just the TV. um, And this is in large ways that Apple kind of is pitching it: is TVOS is like the future of TV is apps, but implicit in that, in some ways, is that the apps are reflecting the previous content that was shown on TV. And I think there's a lot of unless you have a a, you know you sort of this you're a content creator or a producer, you know, you're a network, you're a TV network or a movie station or something. Um, or you're a game producer, someone who, you, you know, alternatively be playing on a game console. There's not a lot there. Um, I mean, maybe I'm just not creative enough. And I think in general, this has been borne out. Like I don't hear a lot of um, talk from about interesting uh, tvOS apps that aren't from networks. And largely, it's just a slightly more convenient way to access content that you previously would have, have, you know, have access to some other way. And the changes we see in tvOS this year seem lined up with that. Like, there's really not much there, which, fair enough, To tvOS was announced in between the last WWDC and this one. And so there's less time for things to have changed. But the biggest change is the single sign-on thing which is useful and awesome if you're um, a tv network or someone who needs to a way to authenticate whether someone has bought a cable package Uh, but that's a very narrow use case and so generally it's like cool i'm glad there's more stuff happening here i suppose but in general i'm like yeah that's kind of it'll keep doing its thing and maybe i'll check in with it periodically but i don't see much there for me Um, do you see anything there for you for because obviously you, you you have of the two of us you have the closest sort of Need or reason to be there, insofar as you make a media consumption app, uh, which you could reasonably imagine existing on a television. Um, do you have any plans to go towards that,
0: though? I I still I'm kind of waiting and seeing on that because you know I mean as you mentioned like it really does seem you know like when the TV first came out and when when we when we first were hearing that we were going to have access to make apps for Apple TV and there's going to be this new TV platform with this new crazy remote that you can't hold and everything. I thought. And a lot of people thought, wow, this is going to be really great, you know, once we figure out stuff we've, we haven't even thought of before. Like, apps that that right now, as we think about it, you know, beforehand, it was like, apps that right now we can't even consider, that we haven't even thought of, and there's going to be something really cool that you can do on the TV now that we can put apps on it. And, and I think, so far, that has proven not to be the case yet, uh, that you know so far we we as like an industry of of app makers and T and apple tv users we really haven't figured out anything else to do on TVs than we weren't basically already doing before uh you know maybe now we're doing things better and maybe we're doing things um you know on different platforms you know like before there were no games on the apple tv now there are games for it not a ton of them they aren't all great but there are games for it um you know but we're still basically using tv to watch video Maybe occasionally play some music and play games. Like that's mainly what people use their Apple TVs for. So as you mentioned, like if you're not, you know, watching video is is tough if you're if you're not a content owner. Like there's not there's not a whole lot for non-content owners to do because for the most part there's no good source where you can get video content to play in your app. Like there are video podcasts, so you you could make a video podcast player, but those are pretty. It's a pretty small market uh, both of content and of viewers relative to something like YouTube uh, or a TV network. So like there's not a whole lot for you to do in, in making like a video consumption app if you, if you aren't like a video producer or working for a video producer. And then most of the, like, most people I know who are indie developers make either some kind of media consumption app or what I would generally classify as productivity apps or utility apps. Like I don't know a lot of people who make games, and I don't know a lot of people who own t v stations and t v networks uh so the vast majority of apps uh, of programmers I know who are like working for themselves and and not not contracting for somebody like a media company i I, I don't really see a lot for any of us to do on the apple t v um There is that one area, though, that you mentioned of media consumption. Like, what else is there besides video that you might be able to get on there? And, you know, like I know people who make RSS readers. I don't see much of a use for that uh, on the TV, especially given there's no web kit. But even if there was, I don't think that would solve the problem. Um, So then then I guess that boils down to, okay, what about audio? You know, I make an audio playback app. Uh, I don't need to worry about where the content comes from because it's free and open because it's actually the last useful medium. Uh, So, (laughs) sorry, getting political there. Um, So there there is a good question of like well is there a use for overcast on the apple tv and no question there is a use for overcast for some people some people have asked for it but for the most part most people don't use their TVs as far as i can tell most people don't use their TVs to just play audio content and then do and then sit there with nothing else happening on screen you know like most most tv media consumption is video and because i don't even play video like even the world of video podcasts i'm not in so because i don't even handle video at all and i don't really intend to to change that uh i don't i just don't think there's enough reason for me to be there to justify the the fairly sizable amount of work it would take you know the the whole like bottom half of the app like the data layer the sync layer the audio engine. I got those built and running on Apple TV, you know, back when the SDK first came out with, with a couple hours of work. I mean, that was that was the easy part because I was already it was already you know all iOS code. The hard part is the entire TV UI, which all basically has to be written from scratch. You but you pretty much can't use any code, uh, or at least you can't use most code that you wrote for iOS on tvos because things just work differently they're structured differently the input is completely different uh the navigation is completely different so you basically have to write the entire ui layer from scratch and i i just i started doing it i made like the login screen and stuff and and after making login and registration and everything and i was like you know i really am not enjoying this at all and what's the benefit really going to be here like a podcast app has a lot of screens way way more than you might think if you haven't built one and yeah, I could just port over like a subset of functionality, but it doesn't really—I don't know—it doesn't seem worth it unless there's really strong demand, and I just haven't seen evidence of that. I've seen evidence of a few people who want it, but but not most.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a tricky thing, platform too because I was even trying to imagine if they if Apple has likely sold more Apple TV fourth generations or Apple watches, and my guess is they've sold more Apple watches. Like, and that's even. Um, in and of itself, a, a relatively small and narrow audience, certainly compared to something like iOS, which where, where it's you know it's just Im- immense and massive. Um, and so I think of something like TVOS, and it's like and usually if you have a relatively small um, addressable market, you have to be able to charge a lot for an app um, for, for it to sort of make sense financially. And I'm not sure, like in general in the App Store, that's always been kind of a tricky thing to have. Um, or, you know, there's always been a downward force on pressure, uh, pressure on prices. And so it's kind of a strange thing to just be like, well, if it's, there's only, I don't know, a few million of them in the world. And of those, how many people are looking for third party apps that aren't just, um, you know, major TV networks or things like that? And so. In general, it may just be fine for it to be a platform that there isn't a lot of interest from people like us. Um, which seems like that's probably fine. That's okay. I mean, maybe it's, you know, it's for other people. It's cool. It's, you know, I, I have one in my house and I use it, but, um, it's not a platform that I expect to really dive into. And until there is such something changes to where that became becomes compelling. And I don't really know what that change could or would be. Um, but as it is now, I don't expect that to change in the near future.
0: Right, I mean, and you know, one obvious big thing they could do is the app store environment really needs some help on the Apple TV. It is it is a very limited, a uh, difficult to browse app store. There's still no, no conveniences like like web links to Apple TV. So like if you if you convince somebody to go look for your Apple TV app, you they can't just click a button and and buy it like from their phone or computer. They have to like. Go to the Apple TV, which they might not even be near at the time. They might be reading Twitter like on their phone away from home or something. But they need to go to the Apple TV at at home if they remember to do that. Go to the App Store search for your app find it. it's like there's there's no like link or buy for later or anything like that so a lot of that could could help this a little bit but also you know i just feel like you know you as an apple tv user me as an apple tv user i mean i've used the apple tv every day for years and you know now and of course we got the new one immediately and i've been using that every day since it came out uh the apple tv is our primary tv connected device the vast majority of the time the tv is on that's what we're using so as a user though I hardly ever go to browse the App Store on the Apple TV. Like, that's not what I'm sitting down there to do. I'm sitting down in front of the TV, usually to play video content in, like, two or three apps. And I think for most people, that's probably the biggest use case. Is, like, you're not sitting down to browse through the App Store and buy a bunch of crap and see what, what you like. You're probably sitting down to watch TV. And even if you were sitting down to browse, I think, what would I be browsing for I'd probably be browsing for games. So, like, I, I, and, and when I have the, the handful of times I have browsed the App Store on Apple TV, that's, that's the only, thing. I was, I was only looking for games. I was not looking for, like, oh, I wonder if there's any podcast players. Like that, that, that never even crossed my mind. Uh, it was only about, okay, I, I'm at this thing. I either want to watch TV or play games. And, that just might always be the case like that that might never actually change with with the apple tv and that's okay that's just how people use their tvs most of the time and if the tv never ends up becoming a like general purpose computing platform that's okay. We have lots of other general-purpose computing platforms that are really good and really compelling, and and so that you know, this, not everything needs to be one. Um, obviously, you can say a lot of similar things about the watch, honestly, but but I think the TV is even more limited because it's like this fixed thing in your house that you are accessing through this you know distant remote uh, with very few, very little interaction possible, and and you just kind of want to sit back and, and watch TV or play a game. So I think if you are a game maker, the the case is fairly compelling to you know if you can get your game. Ported to the Apple TV without a whole ton of work, it is almost certainly worth doing that. But if you are pretty much any other kind of app maker uh, besides a TV content producer, uh, I, I think you can safely avoid it for now. Our sponsor this week is Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today with Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash radar. You get a 14-day free trial, and when you use offer code radar, at checkout, you get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site or runs a service. They offer powerful, easy-to-use tools and services for monitoring your site and its performance. For example, you can monitor a server, a database, an entire website, and it's such a breeze to do it. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site. Checking its availability as often as every minute and they give detailed performance metrics they can alert you when it's down after one minute it and of course you can customize that if you just have a flaky site and you you already know that (laughs) but they can alert you immediately or after a certain period of downtime or with certain thresholds being crossed or if a certain string doesn't appear on the page like a string saying everything's okay or your footer or whatever else uh, it is incredibly useful i've used pingdom now for uh what seven years was it something like that yeah and i think i'm six years i'm just
1: behind you on that
0: yeah i mean it's it's such a good service for monitoring your stuff and anybody else's stuff too like we, like, we used to use it to monitor changes to the WDC site back when you had to like rush in and get tickets you can you can monitor any url you don't have to own it uh it's a really great service we love pingdom i love pingdom check it out today go to pingdom.com slash radar and use code radar to get twenty percent off your first invoice. Use Pingdom. You should not learn that your site is down by people telling you on Twitter. You should already know, and you should be fixing it before anybody sees it. Thanks a lot to Pingdom for sponsoring our show.
1: So one, the other platform that I this seemed like it made sense to just briefly um, touch on is macOS, and it's macOS is an interesting platform insofar as I use it constantly, um, but I don't develop for it. I develop. On it, and so there are a variety of interesting changes happening to macOS. Its name; it has a new file system, and it, there's a few other like sort of user-facing things. Um, but the only thing that actually caught my attention in this WWDC on the Mac that I think I'm excited about as a developer is the new console app. Uh, which is a bit of a low level thing, I suppose, <laughs> to be excited about. Um, but I got a chance to play with this when I was in WWDC, and it is going to be extraordinarily useful to be able to, de- you know, keep track and diagnose problems when I'm debugging, um, to have the new console app in- on, uh, macOS Sierra. Um, uh, because essentially the thing that, co- that it can now do, and this is part of this whole new re-architecting they've done of the way console and logging works in, on the various platforms, um, but is you will be able to get the logs from your devices, so like from your watch or your phone or your iPad, um, streamed to your Mac. If you have a debug session, if you if you if you have a sort of a development session active, um, and once they're in the console app, you can start to do clever and interesting things with them. Like you can start to um, filter them down based on particular keywords, or what I find this is really hopeful um, for me in uh, watch development where watch development can get really, really annoying because a lot of the things that you're trying to do, you you don't want to be connected to Xcode while they're happening. So all of the background refresh stuff, like you want it to be running off on its own um, and then be reporting results as it goes and you want to see like, okay, every 15 minutes it woke up and refreshed itself. Um, so right now what I end up doing is I you know I have my iphone connected to my watch connected via lightning port and then xcode open to the devices tab um, and then i have the full and complete console log from the watch shown there um, and then i need to go through and like take that file save it to a disk run it through grep to find the various relevant things and kind of go through it And it's a bit of a nightmare in the new console you'll be able to do that much more straightforwardly i can just say like show me messages from my app from my watch And they'll just stream live and I don't have to, you know, fuss with grep or anything like that. So that's kind of exciting, kind of nice, very low level and um, straightforward. But I almost missed it in the announcements uh, that that was coming. But other than that, I didn't see anything in it that was like really exciting or interesting to me. I was like, yep, it'll hopefully at this point, all I want from the Mac is for it to be like stable, reliable, a place that I can, you know, sit down, open Xcode and get to work. And
0: I think macOS Sierra will probably be that. And so I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, as a user, it seems you know I am pretty happy with it. Uh, as a developer, I I am a Mac developer t- slightly, um, in in that I I did recently write a Mac app called Quitter, and now I am working on uh, another one for uh, podcast post production uh, utilities, basically. Um, but I because I am such a like a, an elementary level Mac programmer, like imagine if you were if you were learning iOS development and you started learning iOS development like in you know march (laughs) you know and that was the that was the first time you ever did it whatever was announced at wbc wouldn't really be that important to you because you know you you were all you were at such an elementary level that like you still need to learn the basics that were announced five ten years ago you know i mean you know if it was that old so like that's kind of where i am with macOS development where like I I'm still using like the basic stuff and any new things they introduced to the Mac. First of all, the Mac uh, API doesn't change much these days anymore um, because it's very, it's much older and has matured. Um, and you know, the, the rate of change is much slower than an iOS, but whatever they would change would be so far above my head uh, unless they radically revamped app kit, which I don't, you know, I, I, I have doubts on whether they will ever do that. Um, so it's not, it's not really relevant to me, whatever they change. I don't even know what they change, but whatever it is, it's, it's almost certainly not relevant to me, um, you know, except for stuff that's shared with iOS. Um, so as a developer, cool. I, I love, that there's no app store. Let's move on. <laughs> so I guess the, the last thing to talk about, uh, for like major WBC, uh, announcement areas is Swift. Now, Swift is interesting because, it, you know, ever since it went open source, which was what last fall was that it?
1: It was right before the end of the year, I think. Because I think they, I think it was because they had said, What sticks in my head is that they had said we're going to open source Swift this year, and then they ended up open sourcing it in December, like towards the end of December. But it was along those
0: lines, right? So, ever since Swift has been open sourced, there's, it, you know, we've kind of we've seen the roadmap. Like they've they've developed. The vast majority of it in the open, uh, so we've we've seen the roadmap and we know what's coming. In many cases, the community has input and 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 influences what's coming, which is great. So there wasn't really any kind of surprise to announce at WWDC, except it maybe maybe the playgrounds app for iPad, but uh, and that's that's big and that's good. But I don't I don't think it's really that relevant to existing Swift developers. What what is new in Swift?
1: So I think the biggest things that. I'm, I'm, I'm by no means a Swift expert, but the biggest goal, as best I could understand, for Swift 3 was to get to a place where they would be able to maintain source compatibility going forward. Because um, in the first first versions of Swift, Swift 1, Swift 2, um, those jumps, and from 2 to 3, in fact, there have been a variety of, like... Source breaking changes that I hear from a variety of people who are swift developers where the new you know like something new comes out, and sometimes there's tools to help them with this, but then they need to go and sit down for a day and like fix all the things to make it not broken um, anymore, which is a little bit scary to like if you imagine if you had a pro, you know a project of any kind of significance and you go through this massive refactoring process. To have confidence that at the end of it, like everything works in the way that you expected it to work, so as best I understand, for Swift three, their goal was to get all of those kinds of changes done with at once, and so now from Swift three going forward, um, there should be very few things that are would would break source compatibility going forward that there may be things that change you know the i believe the binary format and things um is not stable yet and things like that but like that doesn't really matter practically it's it's an important thing um but in general that's more of a tooling problem than a developer problem like there's certainly some overlap there but in general that's fine then now in Swift 3, they've gone through and they've done all these things, like they've changed the way things are named. So they got rid of a lot of prefixes. They did some really cool and clever things to take C APIs and make them look Swifty, um, which I thought was really clever. So like now if you're working with core graphics, uh, which even felt awkward in Objective-C, um, now in Swift, it actually looks really Swift, And it looks really clever and clear to be able to, you know, you take your context and you call methods on it in a way that you would expect from Swift. And I believe all it's doing is under the hood. It's taking your Swift syntax and like unwrapping it and turning it into this, the old sort of very verbose C syntax. But it's doing things like that. Um, So it's just trying to make the platform, make it a really nice, clear and concise language to start writing in. And going forward, I think the big things they're expecting to, they're working on for like Swift, I don't even know if it's 3.1 or Swift 4 or whatever the roadmap will go get towards. Like they're going to make the binary more stable, work on generics, um, slightly improve concurrency, I think is something that I remember being on the roadmap. But in general, Swift seems to be in a pretty good place um, after, you know, it's what, two years in from it when it was first announced. I think it finally seems to have entered into the, slightly mature phase of its life where this is probably a reasonable time to sort of start guide, diving into it because it is what what you're learning now isn't is unlikely to be un you know sort of need to need to be unlearned um a year from now.
0: I really should dive into it. I just keep wanting to do things faster and with less, you know, with less time investment. And so I keep falling back to Objective C. But I, I do admit I am tempted to jump into Swift this summer. I just I haven't quite done it yet. Do you plan on anything like that? So shockingly yes. Um, this is actually one of these so
1: this last week I decided that I was going to learn Swift. And I sat down with the object like the Swift developer book in iBooks, and I read the first sort of third of it, which is the essentially like the language overview. And I'm delighted to say that I'm going to be. I've, I'm a little nervous in saying it, but I think I need to say it in order to make it actually happen. That I'm going to write um, my next app in Swift. And if you, in any anyway, a follower of my work, I tend to release a new app every summer, at least at least one. And so the next app I write is going to be in Swift. All right, congratulations. Earlier this uh, earlier this week, I think on Tuesday, I went. And, uh, went into Xcode, you know, file a new project and for the first time ever changed the language drop down from Objective C <laughs> to Swift. And so I've been spending the last few days just kind of digging into how I would actually write an app in Swift. And it's weird. It's taken a lot of like, it's just this, there's this really strange feeling. And it almost makes me think of what I imagine people who switch to like try and learn a keyback, uh, keyboard keyboard. Um, their experience where it's like it feels really familiar like typing feels familiar um but like i'm writing swift and it looks familiar like i know all the apis like it's not like i'm doing something new that i had to learn like i know how ui kit works i know how health kit works i know how all these frameworks work but i have no idea how to call it and so i keep doing like i keep running off to google and being like how do i do this in swift how do i do this in swift and it's like keeps um, learning the syntax and exactly like all the idioms for it, um, but overall, it's been pretty cool. It's 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 an interesting language because I think ultimately Objective C is a better fit for my mentality um, than Swift is. I think I like Swift as a language and I can see its utility. Um, but the thing that always that kind of frustrates me with it, at least so far, and I'm just certainly a, a bit of a noob with it at this point, but is it seems to, va- it values correctness um higher than I would value correctness, which maybe makes me a bad programmer. But the way I think about a lot of things is I you know, I don't, I don't write code that has these l- elaborate error checking things in it. Like I tend to do sort of like best effort and then just throw out my hands is sort of that of the approach that I'll often take in my apps? And that's just the, the nature of the way that I program. Like I'm just, I go for qu- like quick and I'm experienced enough that I know how to not write horrible code that's going to be very problematic. And I mean, I would, this is the way that I built my apps. And if you look at my apps i wouldn't think you would say that they're you know like poorly uh, poorly designed or created um but in swift there's all of these things that you just have you can't get around like everything has to be super correct and type safe and um the whole thing with optionals and like is this nil or is it not nil and you have to always check whereas in objective c i can be like i know it's not or i know that if it is nil i don't care and that I, there's like a philosophical difference there that i have to kind of Get, give into and be like, okay, no, it's fine that I have to be explicit about all these things, um, which I imagine in a team environment would be huge. And that you don't have all of this kind of like meta information that is just like stuck in my brain about how this function works because I'm the I'm the one who wrote it and I'm the only one who's ever going to see it. Um, whereas in, you know, if you work in a team environment, it might be more important to have everything, you know like it's almost like self-documenting in a way where all of the conditions and things have to be so much more explicit. Um, but overall, I like it. It's been weird. Um, I like that there's a lot less code. It feels like, like I have more code per line. Cause I often have to do a lot of extra kind of like casts and little checks. But overall it seems like it's like my, there's no header files and things so overall, like the code, the lines of code count goes down. Uh, and so it's been fun. And I guess we'll check in in a couple of months at the end of the summer when I've actually written this app and it's not just like this terrible, basic, um, like learning my first UI kit program um, to see if it, if it this experiment uh, succeeds. But, you know, so far so good. And I recommend trying because um, I think this is, seems like the right time. Like I've been waiting. If you I think one of our first episodes was about when we were going to get into Swift. And I think I remember you know, we were saying it's like, well, we want to do it when it's stable and it's a reasonable thing to take sort of to tackle and this felt like the right time for
0: me so i've taken the plunge all right well congratulations now now i'm like the last one <laughs> so i will probably uh, i'll probably take the plunge myself soon but uh, i'm not i'm not quite there yet. i mean probably later this summer <laughs> it's it's always you know it's, it's like the year of desktop linux it's like a, i'm always gonna write swift like starting next month <laughs> so
1: you just all you need to do is write a new app right you just you need need to just broaden your horizons think of something new to make and then just do that scary thing of changing the drop down from objective c to swift and um you know you can go from there
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm curious like do you think you're going to be writing all or mostly swift from this point forward even in existing code bases i doubt it i i
1: I expect to be writing Objective C in my existing products and Swift in my new things. I think is probably what I expect to do because it's the con- the, con- the context shifting has been like the little bit I've done so far where I would like look at the way I did something previously in Objective C and then try and like Swiftify it. Like it it really hurts your brain to they're so similar but so different that if I think I'm going to want if I'm working on a particular project. I want to just be in the Objective C mindset, or if I'm, you know, in this one, I want to be in the Swift mindset. That jumping back and forth between them, I think would just drive me insane. Like the number of times I do uh, ampersand quote for a string, <laughs> or things like that, where it's like all or add a semicolon to the end of a line, um, which are just you know habits I have from Objective C, but. In Swift, I don't need them, and so I think I would just drive myself crazy jumping back and forth. So I'll just, I I have this one new project, it's what I'm going to work on in the summer, and it'll be in Swift, and
0: we'll see how it goes. Awesome. All right, well, we're out of time this week. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and good luck, Dave, with your new uh, Swiftification. Thanks. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.